this morning as we worship our great God together, we have several reasons to celebrate. Our God lives. Our God reigns. Our God leads with love and mercy. Our God has rescued us through the work of His Son. And our God continues to bless us. Here at Orangewood, a, a rosebud indicates that yet again, God has blessed this family with yet another covenant child. We have Pippa Elise Mon. Now, Steve and Stephanie Mom are the mom and dad. They're fairly new members. They're from England. And both mom and daughter, Pippa, are doing well. And if you don't know the Mons, they're a great family. We rejoice in God's blessing to them and to us as well. Turn with your Bibles to 1 Peter 2. Today in our journey through Peter, we're going to look at verses 13 through 17. Peter's going to tell us, again, who we are in Christ. He's going to paint an incredible picture for us, God's children. But here in this text, he's going to be very explicit about how we are to respond as God's children. Let me ask you a question. And by the way, this is not a rhetorical question. Uh, I want you to respond to this question. So <clears throat> clear your throat. Uh, you get ready. Do you know anybody who thinks they're God's gift to the world? I mean, do you know anybody who thinks they're God's gift to the world? You kind of raise your hand if you know somebody who thinks they're God's gift to the world. Now, all right. Now, hopefully not all y'all are picturing me. All right. Now, if we are, we got some serious issues before we start. But let me hear from you. If you hear, if you think of that person, all right, the person that most comes to mind who thinks they're God's gift to the world. Give me some descriptions of who that person is and what they're like. I can't hear you. No names, please. No names. What are they like? Prideful, arrogant, self-centered, confident, haughty, annoying (laughs) to the rest of us. Those are great. You know, interesting, diva. I guess they did have me in mind. So, uh, interesting that each one of us, when we talked about someone who came to mind about being God's gift to the earth, pretty much had negative connotation. Every one of us, when we talk about having God's gift to the earth, immediately thought of someone who's arrogant, someone who's haughty, someone who's self-centered, someone who thinks they're all that and then a bag of donuts. None of us really thought of God's gift to the earth as being someone who's a humble servant, uh, someone who's Christ-like, someone who lives to love and to serve others. Isn't that unbelievable? I mean, God's gift to the earth, wouldn't God's gift to the earth be more like Jesus? God's ultimate gift to the earth. And yet, in our sin and our depravity, when we feel a position of power, when we feel like we are something, usually something happens with that, and our sin and depravity is arrogance. We do believe we're somebody. We do believe that therefore, if we are in a position of power, if we're in a position of prominence, if we are somebody, we believe that there is entitlement with a title. Give me a fancy title, and let me live up to that title. Give me a fancy title, let me have entitlement. Well, Peter is painting a picture for us of who we are in Christ, and he is using some gigantic titles. He's saying things like, we as Christians, we are a holy nation. We are a people belonging to God. We are a chosen race. We are a royal priesthood. 
I mean, these are incredible descriptions that God's word gives to us. And they are true descriptions of who we are in Christ. And Peter is writing these things. And you can almost feel the, the chest of those who are reading this and hearing this for the first time. And oftentimes with us as well. It's just kind of swell. I'm God's chosen. I, I'm, I am a whole, part of a holy nation. I'm a part of a royal priesthood. What entitlements do we have with titles like this? Interesting what God's word has for us. Look with me at 1 Peter 2, verse 13. Being mindful that we're reading God's holy, inerrant word together. Peter, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says this. After giving them some incredible titles of who they are, he says this. Submit yourself. For the Lord's sake, to every human institution, whether to a king as the one in authority or to governors as sent by him for for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right, for such is the will of God that by doing right you may silence the ignorance of foolish men. Act as free men. And do not use your freedom as a covering for for evil, but use it as bond slaves, as servants of God. Honor all people. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the king. Let us pray together. Father God, we thank you for the privilege that we have to come And to worship you. And God for who you are. And because of what you have done. Through the work of your son. And the power of your spirit. We by your grace. Truly do delight. In who you are. We delight in your word. We delight in your son. Who was perfect. And forever will be perfect. And because of his perfection. We can have hope in life. And Father, it's your word in which we delight in today that we need to fully understand. So Father, would you come with power and would you you be pleased to speak through a broken vessel who desperately needs to hear this message and live this out, who's failing daily. But God, would you come and speak for your glory. God, would you open up our ears to hear from you, the true and living God. Would you... Would you open up our minds so that we can understand your word and wrestle with it today together? Would you soften our hearts so that we would embrace this, not just hear it and think about it, but embrace it into our lives? And God, would you empower our feet? And so that when we leave here, we'll walk in light of your truth for your glory. And God, the things that are said that are merely my opinion or that are wrong, may they quickly fall away and be forgotten. But the things that are true, the things that contain the good news of Jesus Christ, would you use those things to shape us to be more like your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. We pray all these things for His glory and His glory alone. Amen. The first thing we're going to see as Christians, given these incredible titles, is that we have to be living like people of privilege. We are people of privilege. Listen, Christian, lean into this. God so loves us. He has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. He has taken those of us who by nature are children of wrath. And he has made us joint heirs with Christ. We are privileged people. All of creation is God's. 
He owns it all. And yet, there are a certain group that he has set his love upon. It's a mystery. I don't understand why he'd love any sinners, but he does. But we got to live our lives like privileged people. Because Christian, that is who we are. We are people of privilege. Can you imagine what the world thinks is that first statement right there? Great. More Christians thinking they're privileged. Thinking they're holier than thou. Thinking they're God's gift to this earth. But I think as we look into this text, we'll realize that God calling us to be people of privilege looks a lot different than what we're demonstrating to the world or what the world thinks. You see, people of position are often people filled with pride. They have huge egos. But it's not supposed to be true with us, my fellow Christians. We are to live lives as privileged, but we are entitled. We have entitlements. You ready for this? You're all that in a bag of donuts, Christian. Now you're entitled to submit. Starts off in, in verse 13, submit. And, and let me make it clear. The Holy Spirit's going to make us clear. You ready? He says this, submit to all authority. All authority. I mean, he paints this incredible brush. All of human creation is really uh, how that is, uh, looks in the Greek. All that God has allowed. All authority that God has established we are to submit to for the glory of God. What is our entitlement? Living like people of privilege? Being entitled to submit. That is what God is calling us to do. We may say, why? I mean, why should we submit? I mean, we're Christians. Why in the world should we listen to a pagan ruler? Why should we submit to a pagan society? Why should we live our lives? Really, God's our only king. Let's live for his glory and forget the world. I love the incredible practicality of God's word to us because he knew. He knew that Christians were going to be living in a pagan world. And he knew that once we heard about this, all this entitlement of who we are in Christ, that we would want to revolt. That we would want to run. Now listen, there's a time that we do revolt. And there's a time that we don't submit when the man's laws are in opposition to God's laws. And there's a great series of sermons there that I'm not preaching today. That's not our emphasis. We'll come back to that some other time, I promise. But here's what we need to know. God has called us to honor him by honoring him through submitting to all authority. Turn me to Romans chapter 13. I mean, Paul makes this incredibly clear. Romans 13, we're going to read the first five verses or so. It says this, Paul says in Romans 13, Every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God. Isn't that amazing? There is no authority except from God. And those which exist are established by God. And there's a mystery here that a holy, perfect God, who is sovereign and in control of all things, can allow some authority to be established that certainly isn't proclaiming His kingdom, that certainly isn't advancing His cause. And yet in the free will of man, under the sovereign hand of God, God has established all authority. He's the one who will remove kings. He's the one who raises up kings. And he says, listen, it's there. If you've got authority in your life, young people, you've got authority in your life, it's called parents. They're there designed by God. You may not like it. You may want others. But God has established all authority. Young people, again, you may not like your teachers. You may not like your principals. But all authority is established by God. Those of you in the workforce, you may think that your, your boss is a nudnik and that you shouldn't be able to respond to him or her. 
all authority. It's been established by God. You see, there's a chain of command here that God wants us to see where he's on the top. Where he's on the top, and as we submit, we're not necessarily submitting to the one right in front of us or the one above us, but ultimately, listen, Christian, ultimately, we are submitting to God because God is the one who's established all authorities. Make sense? You honor your father and mother. You're submitting to God. When you obey the laws of the land, you are honoring God. Therefore, whoever resists authority, verse 2, has opposed the ordinance of God, and they who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. For rulers are not a cause of fear for good behavior, but for evil. Kind of what Peter says as well. That's what the government should do. Punish evil. Reward that's which is good. I know they don't often do that. But he tells us, do what is good and you will have praise from the same. Verse 5, therefore it is necessary to be in subjection. Verse 6, even paying taxes. You see, all authority... God is established. He said this, you're privileged. You are so privileged. Living a life of privilege means this, submit. Live your life in submission, not just to some, but to all authorities. You know how we want to live our lives? We want to cherry pick the rules, don't we? I mean, just be honest with one another. We want to cherry pick the rules. We want to look to see what rules we think are fair and just, what rules really won't offend us a whole lot, what rules won't really clamp down on our lifestyle a whole lot, and we'll pick those that we can align ourselves and our lifestyles with, and those that we don't like, we have a tendency to cherry pick and say, no, we don't want those. You know, that doesn't really apply to me. I mean, I see it in my own life, and to be honest, I I see it in all of our lives. I mean, even things like carpool. You know, certain places you're supposed to drive, certain places you're not, certain places you're supposed to pick up, certain places you're not. And, and sometimes you feel like that doesn't apply to me. I'm entitled to something else. And I'm going to park where I want to park. I'm going to go where I want to go. I'm going to drive the way I want to drive. It doesn't really apply to me. I'm going to cherry pick the rules. You know what we're doing? We're setting ourselves up as judge and jury, aren't we? We're basically saying, in the arrogance of my own heart, I think I should be able to deem which I obey and which I don't. And God in his infinite wisdom says, listen, you can't cherry pick them. They're there for you. And you are going to honor me if a law seems stupid, if it seems trivial, if it seems to be a nuisance. It doesn't matter. Honor God. Is that a hard one or not? That seems to me to be a pretty difficult one. Because, you know, we live in a time in a society where we do believe that sometimes it's about us. And, you know, let's be honest, look around. We're pretty much a people of privilege. Now, let's set aside the Christianity stuff for just for a moment and say, look at us. I mean, we live in America. I mean, look at us. We're, we're pretty much uh, a pretty well-to-do people. Look at us. We have stuff. We have titles. Look at us. We have life. We have more than we, we can sometimes even manage. Look at us. Look at how good we are. Look at all we've done. And, you know, we think, therefore, we are entitled. Eh. All these blessings are to be used for God's glory. And they're used for God's glory by submitting. Submitting ourselves to all of the rulers. I got to tell you, man, it stinks preaching sometimes. Because you know what happens? You got to practice what you preach. We got to at least try to practice what you preach. And let me, let me preach. Let me tell you right now. I fail miserably, and you guys know that. I try, and uh, I run to Christ when I fail, and he, he reminds me that I'm his, and, he's, and I'm okay in Christ, and we go, keep going. But just yesterday, 
just yesterday, I, I had a uh, long day. Katie's out of town this weekend. I missed her mom. Uh, so if I don't match, just give me a break. And uh, um, I had a pickup, had the privilege of picking up Jesse. She came in with the youth ministry team from Acapulco. Uh, they got in about 10 minutes to 11 after a long day. And uh, I went there to pick her up. And the, now the parents that really love their kids, they, they parked and they went in and they greeted them and they loved on them, you know. Now, but for those of us who had a big day today, I, I, I'm not going to do that. You know, I love you, Jesse, but I, I'm going in. I'm going to pick her up and I'm going to leave. They had a guy there uh, with all those vests on, traffic security. He was all out of patience, and I drove up, and he quickly uh, told me that I had a movie. You know, somebody gave that guy a whistle. I mean, who gave who? What brilliant guy decided that guy should have a whistle? And he used it. You know, hey, you got to keep going. You got to keep going. My, my, my daughter's coming. Yeah, I, I don't care. I'm getting a tow truck. You got to keep going. I mean, I was so aggravated with this guy. I tell you, I showed him the love of Christ. I said, you know, let me just tell you, we're going to be talking about this tomorrow. Will you come to Orangewood? Because I, I, I would love to tell you, you moron. No, I didn't say moron, all right? But my daughter asked me, my, my youngest asked me, Alice, he says, what does it mean, Dad, when you said you're a whale of a guy to that guy? I said, well, it's, it means your dad needs to confess his sins. And uh, I know it's hard. And I just felt like I had the right. And this guy was bugging me. And, you know, I, I don't want to follow the rules. I mean, I could see you right there. Let, let me just stop here, okay? You know, Jesus was perfect. He submitted. He submitted to the rulers. Can you imagine the Son of God, the creator of all things, having to listen to knuckleheads like us and submitting? And the humility of that? And not fighting back, not lashing out, being entitled to submit. And Why? I love this why. Why do we have to submit? It says this, for the Lord's sake. For the Lord's sake. It's not for your boss. It's not for your parents, ultimately. It's not for those who are above you. It's for God, the one who has established all authority. It's for his sake. It says, God, I want to live my life for you. I want you to have the glory in my life. And therefore, I want to live my life where others will sing your praises. It's for the glory of God. For the Lord's sake, submit. It includes our bosses, our teachers, our parents. Being entitled not only to submit, but we're also, listen, being entitled to serve. It hurts us all, I know. We all want to wail, I'll cry out. A title that God gives us, he gives us a title to serve. He gives us this title. He tells us, you're, you're it, you're it, you're, you're my, you know, you're the apple of my eye. You're my chosen. I love you. I've set an eternal love on you. I'll never change my mind about you. I love you so much. My son has come to wash away your sins by giving his precious blood to you and his life to you. I love you so much. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. He's going to comfort you. He's going to lead you and he's going to guide you. I love you so much. I'm going to make a home for you and we're going to spend eternity together. I love you so much Therefore, serve. That's an incredible title. But again, we look into the face of Jesus who had the title of all titles, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one and only Son of God. And what did he do? He came to serve and not be served. And to give his life as a ransom to many. Serving like people of freedom is what we find in verses 15 and 16. The gospel is such good news. That's what it means, good news. The gospel is the proclamation of liberty. Listen, the gospel is the proclamation of liberty. Have you heard it? 
Have you heard that your sins, the power of your sins has been paid for, has been broken on the cross? The penalty of your sins has been paid for on the cross? Have you heard that you can find freedom in Christ, freedom to truly live? Have you heard the good news that in Christ we can live and live a life abundantly in Him? What an incredible good news. We don't have to be slaves to sin. We can be set free. The gospel is the proclamation of freedom, but the gospel is also the initiation into slavery. It's the initiation into slavery, but the greatest kind of slavery you can ever find. Not, not indentured slavery like we know and, and we have even have an ignoble past of here in this country. No, slavery to God. Listen, here's the beauty. As we serve God as God has intended, if we live for His glory, we find life and life abundantly. We are set free by doing that which God has created us to do, and that's serve Him. It is, it is not losing life. It is not taking away life. It's finding it. And now, through the gospel, we no longer have to serve ourselves. There's such great news. We no longer have to try to beat up our neighbors to get up uh, on top of them. Now we have, through the gospel, the ability to serve our living and true God. We have that through the gospel, serving like people of freedom. Freedom as God has intended us to serve and to serve him and others. You know, when we become Christians, it says we're recreated. We are reborn. There's a new birth that takes place. And this recreation is, is making us like God has intended us to be even better. And how did he make us, intended us to be? Well, he created us to work and to serve. He created us to serve him in a garden. He created us to, to have a relationship with him without sin. And in Christ now, we are able to do that which God has intended for us to do. And this is it. To know him and to love him and to serve him with our very lives. And to serve him by the way we serve one another and finding his pleasure in doing so. We're no longer free to serve ourselves, Christian. We're no longer to harm our neighbors for our better good. But we are free to love and to serve our God and love and serve our fellow man. You know what a great church motto would be? And we got a pretty good one. What's our church's motto? Very good. Not about us. For Christ's kings, not about us. But you know what? Here's a really good one. I'm not going to say we're going to change this, but here's one I really like. Love all, serve all. But another organization has already taken it. Do you know that another organization has already taken it? Now, now let's have a little game here. Uh, what organization has the motto, love all, serve all? I mean, could it be the Billy Graham Association? I mean, can you imagine what a great motto that would for Billy Graham? Love all and serve all. Well, it's not them. Uh, could it be e-harmony? I mean, love all, serve all, and e-harmony. Um, do you know that there's somebody here that recently got married that met on the internet, like one of those things? I'm not going to say who. Just don't look around. But it's not, it's not them either. Uh, Campus Crusade for Christ. Can you imagine? Love all, serve all. Wouldn't that be a great lingo for Campus Crusade of Christ? Who is that? Anybody know who that last one is up there? Hard Rock Cafe. That's their motto. Love all, serve all. In 1971, two chaps, uh, Isaac Tigrit and Peter Norton, started Hard Rock Cafe. Tigrit's guru, a guy by the name of something like Sathya Sai Baba, had the motto, love all, serve all. Is that not a great motto for the church? You see, Christians, this is our call. This is our call in Christ Jesus. And someone so much greater than a guru named Baba has commanded us to do it. You see, serving like people of freedom, serving in God's name, in verse 15 says this, it silences 
our critics, the ignorant. It actually stops up their mouth. It literally muzzles their mouth. All those people want to say, those Christians are nothing but hypocrites. Those Christians, they think they're holier than thou. Those Christians, they think that they're God's gift to the earth. Those Christians, I see their life. Listen, God says, this is what I want you to do. I want you to live for my glory. Love me and serve all. Serve all in my name. And therefore, you know what you're going to do? You're going to plug up the mouth of those who say, those Christians. And they'll say, they'll have nothing to say. And they'll see by God's grace our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. You know what it is by, by stopping up their mouth? You know when, when we submit to authority, when we love all and serve all, you know what we're doing? We're really proclaiming the reality that Christianity is true. It's true. And, and what we believe, we really live out. It's genuine. And it's, it's, the, it's the genuine article being demonstrated that our God lives and reigns. Verse 17 says this, and it's four real quick, emphatic, this is what it's like. Listen, love, loving like children of God. We are people of privilege. Therefore, we've got to live like pri- the people of privilege, and we need to submit. We need to serve like people of freedom, and therefore, we need to love all and serve all. And lastly, we need to love like children of God. Look at verse 17. <laughs> Honor all people. Frequent expression I hear from us is, I don't know anybody anything. I don't owe you anything. Uh, you know, you know well, what do you want from me? I don't owe you anything. According to God's word, listen, listen to this. Honor all people. Honor them. You know what that means? You go ahead. You know what that means? Let me show you respect and dignity. I don't care about your color. I don't care about your class. I don't care about your nationality. I am called to honor you. Why? Because we're honoring him. They're made in his image. And we're showing that we get it. We're showing that we love God's creation. We love God's image that he's come to redeem. And we need to honor all people above ourselves and quit thinking that we're all that in a bag of donuts. And somehow the world owes us something. And somehow there's a reason there's this pecking order of class. Christian, there is a pecking order of class. In God's eyes, we're the apple. That means that we're on the bottom of the totem pole lifting everybody up. And we're loving them. And we're loving them like crazy. And people say, why are you loving that person? Because they don't look like you, and they don't smell like you, and they don't make what kind of money you make, and they don't have your kind of titles because I am honoring all people because I love my God. And that person is made in his image. Love the brotherhood. Yes, honor all people, but there's a special love that God has for us for one another. Scripture says in Galatians 6, verse 10, that we are to do good to all people, but especially to the household of faith. There is a fraternity here. There is a fraternity in Christ that there should be something different. Yes, we're to honor all those out there. When we come here, we're to love. This agape love. We're to selfishly love one another in a way that's unique. In a way that says, man, I can tell they're Jesus' disciples by the way they love one another. Sadly, sometimes the church becomes by the way we pick at one another. We lead with love and mercy as our Father has. Fear God, that's ultimate. Fear God in a way of fearing God, showing Him respect, showing Him honor. Jesus Himself said in Matthew 10, verse 28, Why do you fear the authority of men that all they can do is kill the body? Fear the one who can destroy the soul and send it into hell. Fear God. He is God, creator of heaven and earth. Live your life out of respect for him so everybody can see God in what you say and what you do. And lastly, honor the king. Honor those authorities again. He makes a complete loop, especially King Jesus. Orangewood, I've been so proud. I've been so proud the way that you have shown the love of Christ to others in word and deed. 
God's Spirit is moving. We can't stop here. We need to do more and more. Why? For the sake of Christ. There's no higher calling to silence the ignorant so they cannot call us hypocrites. And more and more will come. Take a look at this clip and we celebrate what God has done through us at Orangewood. Mother and father bought this house, and when they bought it, it was a piece of <laughs> a mess as it was, and they did what they could for it. And then uh, my husband and I took it over, and we did a little, little, but uh, he passed. Uh, it's nothing I could do. I, I couldn't afford to get it fixed. You have to have seen the house before, and have seen her in the house before to really understand how when anyone went in there, they couldn't leave not being disturbed. When you do see people down the street from your church, around the corner from your church, uh, when you see people uh, rather than your own neighborhood who are suffering, who are impoverished, who are living in less than uh, ideal circumstances, how can you simply turn away from them? You know, it's easy to send money over to uh, communities overseas, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. And that's very good. But a lot of times you have the people that have a need, as I said, right next door, your neighbor next door. We wanted to see if we could pull the community together uh, so that we could do a project as brothers and sisters in Christ, locked arm in arm, uh, doing something um, that could otherwise not be accomplished. The house situation is quite severe and urgent. We went to the pastors of the community, and we were able to pull together a coalition of nine churches that were going to come together and find some great need in the community where we could band together and as brothers fill that and satisfy that need. It's um, living conditions that no human being should live in. Ms. Harmon, among all of us there, once we saw the condition of her home, once we saw her health situation, we realized that she had the greatest need. And everybody's heart was moved with compassion. It's not about the color. It's about the love. It's about letting the world know who we represent. We represent Christ. We're not representing racism. And I think that this is one of the greatest things that has ever happened to Edenville. I've been praying about this, been preaching about this, and the Lord just blessed us to be a part of this. As we look at a project or look at a situation or look at circumstances of life, uh, we often try to analyze and determine what we can or can't do. And I'm learning from this experience, if we put it in God's hand, there isn't anything too hard for it. We've heard a lot of talk of God, and one of the greatest ways to build bridges to our communities and reach people is to go out and demonstrate that love indeed. 
in order to fulfill the mission that Jesus commanded of us to do, we have to come together as one in unity so that we can make these kind of impacts. We need to get the message out that Jesus is still the Lord, that God is still in control, that the Holy Spirit is very real and active. And uh, by doing these kinds of projects, that's what we achieve. I see people really seeing what Christ is all about. For a long time ago, they just really thought it was just a formality. But now they see the reality of Christ. And I thank God for this. God's kingdom is about love, not hate, death, and darkness, but love, light, and life. And I think if we show and express and demonstrate that love here on earth, then we can attract a lot of people who would just fall in love with God. And that's his intent from the beginning and want to follow us with him to heaven. If we say we love one another, we've got to love the individual. We've got to look beyond the color and see the God in the people. In the people. And I think this project is, is opening up a lot of our understanding. It has been said that 11 o'clock on Sunday morning is the most segregated hour in America. And when I first heard that, I thought it was talking about the races. But then as you look at it, we're talking about just us people in the community. We have churches in the same community that we know not of. Our goal is not just to build a house, but to transform a community. And in order to do that, you have to have partners. And so we banded together um, with the, the, the churches of this community to do um, a good work uh, in the name of Jesus Christ. This thing can spread throughout the community. Uh, not only here in the local area of Eatonville, but to Maitland, uh, to Orlando, uh, to, to wherever God say, say go, there's a need. And so that's what it's all about. We got to be together, you know. And this is what I see, a great unity coming together, a great bond of brotherly love coming together like never before. And this is going to be a wake up. Not only to the community, but to the county, the state, and not only this, but I know it is spread in other places also. That spirit of unity and fellowship grew stronger and stronger as we built trust with one another. Um, with sincerely looking simply to show the love of God in a community that needed that love. They talked about the Berlin Wall, but now we're tearing down the American walls, you know, that. Uh, 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 where people can really see what the love of God is all about. And I think this is a great sermon here, all within itself. It has um, helped us to bridge and to reach across denominational and racial lines. It's helped us to really understand that the body of Christ is not made up of us individually, but that the body of Christ are believers from all over the world. As everyone set their heart on the things of God, everything fell into place, and God just um, gave us a great success together. And this was the first project that we've worked on where there were more people from other churches than people from our own church, even though we had 100 volunteers come out. I can see it all through by God, and this house itself... Shows it. And when all of us get together, let's show you what, what, what they can do through by, through by God. 
Lord, surround this house with your name, that merciful name, that gracious name. The devil would love to destroy and tear down this house. Lord, you keep it by your power. Keep it by your authority. Let this house be a lighthouse in this community to make your name known to everybody in this community. Lord, when people pass by, let them feel the glory. Let them feel the presence radiating out from this house. Don't let this community be the same. Let it be a great time to make your name known. In his great name we pray. Let all the born-again Christians shout, Amen! Let's do something better. Let all the born-again Christians say out, amen. amen. It wasn't bad. Pretty good. What an incredible video. And uh, by the way, is Robert not better looking on video than you've ever seen? I mean, <laughs> the guy's got a career. Hey, uh, if you go to our website, orangewood.org, click on Bridge Building. You'll see that in all of our videos there. If you want to share them with the community, uh, show what God is doing here, let me encourage you to do that. But one of the ways we have to love all and to serve all is to be continually reminded of whose we are. And the giving of our tithes and offerings is a, is a proclamation that we trust God with our, with our resources. And we want to worship Him with our very lives. So as the ushers come forward, let me pray for today's giving of the tithes and offerings. Mindful of this, we've got to give our very lives. Let's pray together. Oh, Father God, we thank you for who we are in Christ. The titles that you give us as joint heirs with our Savior as a chosen people, a holy nation, a royal priesthood. And yet, God, this entitles us to serve others and to submit our lives to the governing authorities for the advancement of Christ's kingdom, for the sake of Christ, and for the silencing of our critics. And Father, as we worship you now, the giving of our tithes and offerings, would you bless the cheerful giver? Would you bless the gift? And Father, would you advance your kingdom would you truly align our lives to submit to your rule and reign? We pray in Christ's name. Amen.